Hey, welcome back to our conversation about taking new ground. This is our third part in our series. And what we've been talking about is that just like God had a promised land for his chosen people thousands of years ago, you know that he's got stuff for you and for me that's incredible. His promises are alive and real for you and me. And he invites us to go on this journey of taking new ground. As I talked about last week, we have to get after it. You know, God's grace is free, but to grow and to actually take new ground, we have to, we have to work at it. We have to kind of roll up our sleeves like I do and, uh, and get to work at taking the new ground that God has for us. And so we're, we're looking at the book of Joshua because what we're discovering is that Joshua had to not only take new ground, but to do it right in the face of so much adversity and challenge. And so today we're diving in at chapter two of Joshua. And what, we've, what we're finding is that God's people were kind of gathering at the beach. Uh, they were, they'd been summoned by Joshua saying in three days, we're going to cross the Jordan river. So people are uh, amassing together. But what, what we find is that before Joshua sends the people out to battle, he sends two spies to go and check out Jericho. So they cross the river and that's where we're going to pick up the story. But if this whole spy thing sounds kind of familiar to you, uh, well, it should, because it was 40 years earlier that Joshua himself had been a spy, along with 11 others that Moses had sent out into the land to investigate it way back then. But things went terribly wrong. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look first at this spy story in uh, in uh, Joshua chapter 2. Then we're going to jump back in time, 40 years and take a look at what had gone wrong in that first spy story. So are you ready? Here we go. Starting in Joshua chapter 2 verse 1. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. So can we all admit here that uh, showing up at a prostitute's house is a little bit awkward? But what I want to tell you is that uh, what we're not witnessing here is the latest episode in Jewish Spies Gone Wild. Uh, that was not what was happening. Because I want you to think about Jericho. Jericho was this the first city that the Israelites were going to encounter. And all the people of Jericho knew that there was a nation like literally on their doorstep and they were living in fear. They were kind of living in terror that like, oh my gosh, this nation's going to come and invade us. And so they were on lockdown. So when you think about it, going to a prostitute's house was probably the perfect hideout for two guys who were just trying to kind of blend in and be anonymous and not be seen. But what we see in the next part of the story is that, well, there was some surprising twists. Number one, the first thing that happens is that the king of Jericho finds out two spies came into our land. And as a matter of fact, the last place they were seen was entering Rahab's house. The second thing we find out in verse 3, that soldiers have come to Rahab's door. And we read this, it says, bring the men out. 
have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. But the third thing that happens is really the most shocking thing of all, and that is that instead of Rahab turning over these spies to the people of her own nation and uh, to her own king, well, she does the very opposite. She turns her back on her own people and she protects these two spies. She hides them. And well, that changes her story very, very dramatically. But it's not till later that night that we find out why she's done this. And picking back up in verse 8 of Joshua 2, this is what we read. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. Now listen to this. For the Lord your God is supreme. He's the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Hey, can we all agree that this statement that just came out of Rahab's mouth was extraordinarily profound? Totally amazing. Here we have a prostitute in Jericho who's been hearing these stories about God and his powerful works and something has begun to shift in her own heart. I think probably, very likely, she dealt with some uh, of the same fears that were going on, like, oh my gosh, and now here these people are right at our doorstep, they're going to come and and uh, probably attack us, we don't know what's going to happen. But more than that, she begins to focus her attention on these stories about this miraculous, powerful God. And her heart begins to lead toward faith. Rather than being consumed by the same fear that was consuming all the other people of Jericho at that time, you know, it's like, we're all going to die. She begins to believe in God and his power. She puts her faith in him. And you might wonder, like, isn't that a little bit of a stretch that she was actually putting her faith in God? It's, it's not a stretch at all. In fact, the author of Hebrews, thousands of years later, reflects back on Rahab, and he puts her right into chapter 11, kind of the hall of faith, where the heroes of our faith are listed. There's Moses and Abraham and others. And here we see Rahab listed as one of the heroes of faith. Hebrews 11.31 says, By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Now, I think most people would have turned those spies in. You know, they would have turned them right over to the soldiers and the authorities because they would have viewed these spies as a threat. I mean, these spies represented this foreign nation that was coming probably to attack them. And so there's no way we would want to probably help those spies out. But I'm telling you, Rahab didn't focus on those fears. She focused her attention on who God is and his mighty power. And that changed her perspective, her outlook on what was happening in her circumstance. 
And that ended up changing her entire story. She ends up saving the lives of these two spies. And because of that, not only did her life, not only was her life spared, but the lives of her entire family with her several days later when God pulls down the walls of Jericho. I want you to think uh, with me for a moment about three words that I just mentioned. Focus, perspective, and story. What you focus on will shape your perspective. Your perspective is kind of described as your mental view or outlook. So what you focus on is going to shape your perspective and your perspective will define your story. If we want a different outcome to our story than like Rahab, well, we have to change what or who we're focusing on. I want you to remember that when we travel back 40 years now to see what terribly went wrong in that first spy story. It's found in Numbers chapters 13 and 14. And you can read those. Um, I think you'll be fascinated along with me. But we're going we're gonna to pick up some highlights from that first spy story. And it kicks off in Numbers 13 verses 1 and 2. The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. So not only does God give direction here, but he speaks his promise. This land is the land that I am giving over to you. So for 40 days, these spies went out. These 12 uh, men went from the nation of Israel, went all through the land that God said that he was giving them. And, and man, they, they even, uh, it says, bring this huge cluster of grapes back to show. They, they strung it between two men on a pole. It was so huge. And, and so they're now coming back after 40 days. Now listen to the report that they brought to Moses and to all the people. It's found down all the way in verse 27 and 28 of Numbers 13. It said, we entered the land you sent us to explore. And it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. I don't know that that phrase, flowing with milk and honey, what that really represents to you kind of sounds like the bottom of my cereal bowl on some days. But I mean, that, that phrase, flowing with milk and honey, was this description of just bounty and goodness and sweetness. I mean, this is the land that, that God was giving to them. And then they said, here's the kind of fruit it produces. And they show off the grapes. But the people living here are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. I want you to know that even for people of God, that we don't have to kind of pretend that there aren't giants in the land. We don't have to pretend that there are not problems or difficulties that, that we face. You know, in fact, when, when you put your trust in God, he does not hand you a pair of rose-colored glasses. And, uh, and all of a sudden, like all the challenges of life just seem to, to disappear. That's not reality. We do see the things around us. And even if you're a person of faith, that doesn't mean like turn your brain off and, and don't realize that there are problems. And right now, of course, as we're looking at the world around us, we're seeing a huge giant. You know, it's got the name coronavirus written right on its name tag. 
And, uh, you know, it's terrible. It's frightening. You know, not only is it ravaging the bodies of people, some of uh, those of who we love, but it's also ravaging our economy as well. I mean, it's a, it is a terrible, ugly, scary giant. And it's real. And uh, it's okay to acknowledge that. We don't have to pretend that that's not happening. But it's about what we choose to focus on that really makes all the difference. There were two of the 12 spies, Joshua and Caleb, who were still focused on God and the promise that he had made that he was giving us this land. So yeah, there are giants. Yep, there's things that we have to confront as we cross the Jordan. But we can do that because, well, God has promised to us that he's giving us the land. And that's what we, that's what we see uh, in, in verse 30. Caleb jumps up and he, he tries to quiet the people, it says, as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But then as we go on, the other men, right? The other, other spies who had explored the land with them disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw there were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Listen, what you focus on matters. Trust me, I'm a photographer. When you look through the lens of a camera, you know, there's, there's always multiple things going on in that scene, and you have to choose what it is that you're going to focus on. That, and what you choose to focus on, man, it changes the whole dynamic of that picture. And in life, same thing. There's always multiple things that are going on around us. And remember, what you choose to focus on shapes your perspective, your entire outlook on the situation. Caleb and Joshua chose to focus on God, who is above all things, and his promise that this is the land that he was giving to them. The other 10 spies, they were focused, well, on the wrong things, the challenges that lay before them, the giants that were in the land. Look at the clear difference between these two perspectives. One, Caleb jumps up and says, we can certainly conquer it. And versus the other spies who were saying, we can't go up against them. It boils down to this. We can versus we can't. Now, I want you to see something that happened with these 10 spies. Because, because their focus was on the wrong things, man, it gave them this wrong, broken, warped perspective on what it was that they were seeing. Listen to, listen to this and re remember what we just read, what they said. They said, number one, they're stronger than we are. Really? They're stronger. You, you drug along your old bench press along on this exploration and had this strongman competition with all of them. So you know that they're stronger? I, I, I doubt it. Then they said, 
The land we traveled through will devour anyone who lives there. Really? Well, then how is it that all of those people who are actually living there have survived all these years? Maybe your perspective is a little broken there. Third, they said all the people we saw were huge. Really? I mean, it's like, you know, with our babies, monsters, you know, these monster babies. And was every woman in that land, uh, you know, an Amazon woman, Wonder Woman? And then the last thing they said is that next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought, too. Really? So you're not only spies, but now you're mind readers about what they were thinking about you. Man, you are good. You are really good. See, what happened is they focused on the wrong things. And that shaped their perspective. And ultimately, it formed their destiny. Here's the reality. We will never take new ground, the ground that God is giving us, if we remain focused on the wrong things. Let's just get real practical. You know, you're you're at home right now. Lots of people, sometimes in some uh, homes, many people sheltered in place together. That can, there can be a lot of tension. You know, in the news, we're seeing that even domestic violence is on the increase because of the intensity of the situation. But let's say that you want to take new ground in how you're responding to your family. And, uh, you know, maybe you've been lashing out a bit. Maybe there's anger instead of love. And you're like, man, I need to take new ground in just how I respond, you know, to those closest around me. Well, good for you. But let me ask you, what are you focused on? Because if you're focused on, man, my wife, man, she's always nagging me. Uh, man, my kids, they're, they're, they're just driving me nuts. And, and you know what? If I could just get another couple beers in me, I know that that would take the edge off and I'd I'd probably be okay. Can I suggest that those are probably wrong things to be focused on right now, especially if you're wanting to take new ground? What if you were to shift your focus? What if you were to start to focus on this? God, that amazing woman that uh, you brought into my life and, and that I married, Would you help me to focus on the things that caused me to fall in love with her in the first place? And God, those those kids that we received into our our lives and into our home as gifts from you, Lord, would you help me to remember the unique and wonderful things about them that make me just crazy proud of who they are? And God, would you help me to remember that you are the source of, of my rest. Not beer, not some chemical, not you, Lord, are the source of my true rest. And God, so I choose to focus on those things. I'll tell you, if you want to change the outcome, if you want to change your story, guess what? We're going to have to change what we focus on. I want you to, I want you to think about this. Have you ever met somebody with a severe disability? that despite that disability was thriving. And there's some beautiful people in our church that, that that's their story. And can I suggest to you that, that it is because they have decided to focus on God and to focus on life and to focus on what they have rather than 
on the giants that are right there in front of them that they see every day when they look in the mirror. But what they focus on matters. And so, man, there are people even in severe, dire circumstances that are thriving. And I would say even taking new ground because of their focus. Now listen, part of the problem is that if we're focused on the wrong things, our broken perspective is not only going to shape our story, but of course it becomes contagious to the people around us and, and it impacts their story as well. And that's exactly what happened in the people of Israel once these spies started to spread all of this broken perspective. If you go to Numbers chapter 14, verses 2 through 4, this was the response now of the entire community of Israel. They said, if we had only died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among, among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. So really, really, this is what you want? You would rather die than get after it to take the new ground that God has already promised to you? Really? Really, you think that God, the one who rescued you out of Egypt and then created this dry path for you to walk through the sea just recently, you think that somehow that God is not able, not strong enough to get you through what you're facing today? Really? And really, you'd rather rebel against the leaders that God has given you and choose a new leader who's going to lead you back into slavery? Really? But you know, as crazy as that sounds, I think that is the same trap that we fall into when we lose focus, focus on the wrong things. Our perspective gets broken and damaged. And, and then we, well, it, it, man, it just takes our story in a completely uh, disastrous direction. It's what we do too. Don't lose focus. Don't give in to the broken perspective. Whenever we start saying, man, we can't do it. There are giants in the land. And you know what? When we say that there's giants in the land and we can't do it, what we're really saying, even though it rarely comes out of our mouth, is that, man, I think those giants are bigger than my God. And don't give in to that. When that happens... We're choosing something other than God to lead us. Whether it's an emotion, an addiction, a relationship, and these things will lead us right back into the condition of slavery that we came out of when we first gave our lives to the Lord and put our trust in Him. The tragedy here is that an entire generation of God's people never took the ground that God had intended for them. They all died in the desert over the next 40 years until Joshua sent new spies into the land. But Joshua, his friend Caleb, and Rahab, well, they all lived. Their focus was on God. 
the God that Rahab said was the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. I think that Rahab caught the same thing that the Apostle Paul declared in Romans 8.31 when he said, If God is for us, who can be against us? As I've said in the weeks past, if Jesus is Lord at all, then Jesus is Lord of all. Yes, there's giants in the land, but look who's walking alongside of us and who's given us his Holy Spirit to empower us to take new land. We need to focus on him, allow his power and his truth to to shape our perspective. And when we do that, that is going to define our outcomes in our stories. God is calling us. Take new ground. Take new ground. Church, let's focus on him together. Hey, I want to pray for each of us. And then after I pray, if you're in our church family, would you stick around for just a couple of more moments as I bring you some updates? Jesus, I pray, Lord, for each one, Lord, that is listening in today. God, I know that they are facing real giants because we all are. Lord, we think of the coronavirus, we think of the economy, and Lord, beyond that, we're wrestling with our own giants. Some of those have the the name depression, anxiety, loneliness, fear, anger, pornography, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, whatever it might be. God, those are real things, Lord, and we have to face them head on. But Lord, as we focus on you, God, I believe that you are going to give us your perspective on these things and that we, along with Paul, will be able to declare, if you're with me, God, then what giant can stand in the way? Who could be against me because I have you on my side? So, God, we give you our trust, even as Rahab did. God, we put our trust in you. And listen, if you're someone who has been far from God, but right now you want to say, God, I want to put my trust in you. If Rahab could do it, now then, then I can do it as well. I can, instead of focusing on my fears, focus on the one who has promised me life in him, Jesus. And if that's you, I just want you to pray along with me right now. Jesus, Lord, thank you for my life. Lord, thank you, Lord, that I'm still here and have the ability to fight, to take new ground. Lord, I want my life to to be defined by what I can do in your strength rather than be overcome by fears of what I can't do. So Jesus, I cry out to you right now. Lord, come, save me. God, I repent for where I've gotten it wrong. Lord, I repent. I turn from those things, Lord, that led me, well, into the slavery that I was living in. And God, I want to be free in you. I receive you into my heart. I put my full trust in you now, Jesus. Lord, thank you for being my Lord, my Savior, my King. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, thanks for hanging in here for a few updates. Number one, I just want to again thank you for the, all of those of you who have been generous in your giving and continuing to give uh, to Santa Maria Foursquare Church. Um, when we look at our numbers over the last couple of weeks, I'll tell you, you know, they've been a little bit down by just over a third of what we've come to normally see come in on a, on a weekly basis. And, and so I'm just going to urge you, if you haven't yet figured out how to move from paper giving, right, checks and cash, uh, to online giving, it's super easy. In fact, there's a, there's a number on your screen right now. You can just text this, text SM4 to 77977. And if you do that, what's going to happen? It's going to pop up a little dialogue on your phone. You're going to, it's going to walk you through some easy steps so you can now learn how you can also give online. And it's so appreciated. Um, we're continuing to, to do ministry. All of our team are busy at work, serving in the community, serving our church family in a variety of ways. I mean, it's so important that we just keep being generous. Hey, second thing is this. Next week is Easter. Yes. God has put a great word on my heart, and uh, man, I would love for you to find some creative ways to get your friends involved in maybe watching the Easter service with you. It's going to be right here online. One creative approach would be that when we post that message onto Facebook, you can go right in there, create your own little post and start your own watch party where you can invite friends to come and join you next Sunday on Easter. Hey, and the third thing is this. We want to continue to pray for you. If you have needs, if you have questions, if you have things that you want to interact with our team about, then we would love to join with you on that and to pray for you. Head over to our church website, sm 4 .org. Right there on the homepage, you're going to see a virtual connection card. Click that, and then it's going to open up a, a place where you're going to be able to share your story and say, hey, would you pray with me about this? And we have people praying all throughout the week because you're loved and because we believe that God has promised land waiting for you. So keep taking new ground. Let's do it together. Church, you're loved. We'll see you here again soon.